0: What's up, guys? Welcome to Wisecracks Movie Podcast. Show me the meaning. Show me the meaning. Oh, I'm Michael, and today I'm joined, as always, by the two best boys to ever do the damn thing, Ryan and Austin. How are you guys today? What up, film fans? Hello. Great. Um. Well, today, I mean, we're really we're really getting into it today. We're gonna dig into the 2020 Netflix documentary. Social Dilemma or The Social Dilemma. And this is a movie that questions our use of social networks, the effect they have on us. We learn a lot from the men, almost all men, but a couple women who are <laughs> the ones pulling the strings behind the big tech companies. Um there's a, a lot to unpack and I think this one's interesting because there's one side of things to talk about, just in terms of the movie as a documentary, and of course, there's a lot of ideas that come up. I'm sure we'll discuss. But before we really dig in, um, what do you guys think? What are, what, were well, our, what are our initial reactions to this? I month? think I think we need to have more women and
1: minorities pulling the strings of imperialism. That's what I yes. think. Yes, that's what we you need. Get it. We need more expo- equ- right. equality of exploitation. Come yeah, let's on. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Why why can't we have uh? What do they like? Imperial girl power. Where is that? I'm totally kidding. By the way, that I don't think that's a good thing. Oh, oh
0: my bad. I yeah, got yeah, really into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just just kidding, fam. Oops. Yeah, Ryan, what did you think of the Daco?
2: Um, I thought it was very interesting. I I have a lot of thoughts on it. Uh, uh it, it was I. What I like most was just the the sheer amount of interviews they had with all these people that seemed to be right there in the thick of it, right when it was, you know, in this historical uh, new technology age we're in. Uh, uh, they seemed to be there, uh, and I like hearing from them and their thoughts. However, I don't know if it scared me as much as they, like, really wanted me to be scared. Like, I thought, like, like there was so many times I kind of kept going, okay, so what? Like or yeah, that's pretty obvious. I, I, you know, I, I, a lot of it was kind of common sense stuff and a lot of it to me, I didn't really, I don't know. I, I, I was not, they did not persuade me necessarily that I need to be as fearful as they are, at least. Uh, but we'll get into the nuts of bol- and bolts of, of, of that whole conversation. But it, I definitely was as a, as a documentary, it was interesting. Um, I mean, it had, it was kind of cliches though, too. And it had, uh, uh, but in its style and presentation, but I liked it.
0: Great. What'd you think, Austin? Besides your obvious, earnest political take you gave us at the beginning, which you absolutely meant and believe.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean,. I'm just so bored of talking head documentaries, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I know they tried to do something cool with the cutaway narrative scenes, but it's so hard for me because I've watched so many like history channel documentaries where it's like bad actors of, I don't know, like the middle ages, like storming the church to loot the gold or whatever. And then I, and and so in my mind, it doesn't matter how good of actors they hire and how at least... The attempt was good writing to make those scenes more I, it just I can't get the I, I can't get down with it so I yeah. I don't know I, I, I got what they were trying to do that didn't work for me um, I did like the range of people that they had because they seemed to have different opinions but all the opinions were kind of the same thing like Ryan was saying so I don't know I didn't love it I didn't love it as a documentary um, I thought it had some interesting stuff to say I thought. I see. I. I did. I do think it. It kind of raised uh, a panic for people to think about. You know, like what are the consequences of social media? Who's pulling the levers? Um, who's, you know, kind of controlling uh, our thoughts and, and the implications of that for politics, but also for economics, which then influence society and then even like determining what we are as human beings in society and creating societies. So I think there's there's some fear and stuff that I definitely got from it that I think is interesting to chew on. I just don't love the documentary. And I'm just so bored of most documentaries. Because we're just, there's so many, there's so fucking many documentaries. And it's like, that's all we do on Netflix now is watch documentaries. And I'm kind of like, I don't know, I just, it didn't.
0: Yeah, well, that's, I totally feel that. And I think. To me, I mean, I so I thought the movie was was fine. I think at its best, yeah, it's it fine. Had the Socratic, yeah, <laughs> you know, at its best, it kind of had this almost Socratic function of leading to a larger cultural conversation about these issues, which is important. Like, I am glad in the wake of this documentary, people are talking about this stuff. People are thinking about their own relations to social media. That's that's awesome. As a movie, it does remind me, and I'll, I'll blame like Netflix or our appetite for content more than I'll blame the filmmakers. But there's this type of like hyperbolic documentary that comes out mm. like every three months now. It's a hot button issue. It's talking heads and it's, you know, B roll footage and intense voiceover. This one obviously had like the little fictional plot that goes throughout, but it's just like a thing now. And they're never comprehensive. And then it leads to a type of response that's like, they didn't even consider the way that this person did this thing. Like some of the reactions to this movie were so overblown. And it's like, <laughs> what did you expect, buddy? <laughs> I know. Uh, but, you know, for one, what it was, you know, and I'll be the first time I saw it. It was literally like bored after a few drinks on a Saturday night. Me and my partner wanted to watch something, and it I've was like, it more than "This is something well. to watch." Well, I watched it again for this because, uh, yeah. as as a, scholar, he's a professional, takes, seriously professional, and it, what am I going to do during my workday? Other work, or you know, get paid to watch a movie? <laughs> Yay! Um, kidding. But yeah, so that's I'm kind of like of two minds about it in that way. Yeah. So. So it sounds like none of us are super stoked on it, but no one is like, fuck that shit.
2: Well, obviously, yeah, I guess we're coming at it from two different points. Like there's either the the, the documentary itself uh, uh, as an aesthetic, and then there's what it's saying. And I think that what it's saying is, I think, going to be an interesting conversation. I think we can all agree that as a documentary, it's pretty trite, cliche, talking heads with kind of like suspenseful music and then you're like, you need to care about this. The one thing that, you know, it was a little persuasive to the fact that everyone is, like I said, uh, uh, seems to be very credible in the sense that Mm they worked on these things. So that's why when they go, you need, uh, uh, someone needs to sound the alarm about it. No one is, no one's doing anything. I mean, I do get, that that does freak me out, but I think we we can talk a lot about, um,
0: yeah, And what
1: great irony that the whole documentary is you know, that Tristan gentleman was talking about, you know, the the manipulative levers that are being pulled, but yet the documentary form itself by using the uh, sentimental music and this really like impassioned narrative where this boy is getting pulled into like extremist politics and it's all using manipulative mechanisms to like affect us emotionally, right? So, Well,
0: well, not extreme the extreme center, which we'll get into. (laughs) As a recent convert to extreme centrism, I I want... that's the one thing this movie taught me no but you're totally right and i do think you know ryan for what we brought up earlier i think this movie does bring up larger questions kind of about the state of the documentary in 2020 the type of stuff that's getting made and if there is room anymore for i i you know sort of an old school like errol morris style documentary or something like that as i, I mean, said this, that this I think was kind of trying out but
2: this was kind of trying to do that it just didn't have his weird like like io cam or whatever the fuck he calls it um, I mean, it's just not as well shot as all I'm saying. but but,
0: yeah, in terms well, of and I also the way it's presented. Yeah. And this director, I'm um, Jeff Orlikowwski or Orlowski. Um, you know, his last movie, chasing Coral was really good. um, sort of an environmental documentary about the collapse of coral reefs in uh, Austin's native Australia. So I, I think that movie was great. I think this guy's a decent filmmaker. but well let's let's get into it, But let's summarize the movie first for anyone who has not watched this yet. Um, We'll let you know exactly what happens, and we'll dive in. So, the movie has two parallel tracks. On one, we have an exploration of the construction of modern social networking websites and platforms via the testimony of various ex-tech employees. We learn about how the questionably good intentions of these tech employees paved the way for a world of social control, political division, and increased mental health issues amongst young people. Um, On the other hand, we have a weird fictional account of a family being destroyed – by internet addiction with a subplot of a Matrix-like universe where Mad Men's Pete Campbell is working to destroy, and there's three of them, are working to destroy a young man's life by driving him to a political movement called the Extreme Center, which ends up getting him and his sister, who I loved, arrested. Now, these two tracks come together to... Uh, paint social media and sort of the algorithmic culture behind them as the root of both the current and future problems of humanity, and the overall call to action to the film is maybe you should get off social media, and also, maybe don't be a dick and get your kind and concerned big sister arrested. So that, that's what the movie's about. Um, so before we get into this, I think I think we have a word from one of the awesome sponsors that makes this all possible. All right, guys, before we continue, I want to give a shout out to this week's sponsor, Storyblocks. Storyblocks is an unlimited library of high quality, royalty free video, audio and images that can be accessed through a subscription. If you are a creator, then you know how difficult it can be searching the web for a specific image or clip that might end up costing thousands of dollars. With Storyblocks, you have millions of assets right at your fingertips and at a cost effective price. With a subscription, you can get an unlimited number of downloads and everything you download is yours to keep. Even when you're subscription runs out. Storyblocks is great because there are different plans depending on your specific needs as a creator. Say you manage different podcasts or streams. You can get royalty free audio through a standalone subscription. With unlimited you can get access to everything Storyblocks has to offer including templates for Adobe projects and more. They are constantly adding to the library and there is no additional fee to use what is new. Learn more by going to storyblocks.com wisecrack today. Now back to the show. So I feel like the two main angles we got to talk about are the movie as a documentary and then, you know, dive a little bit deeper into some of the content here. So let's just maybe start with that. We got to it a little bit before. What do we make of this movie as a documentary, as a part of that genre of film?
2: Uh, well, I, I kind of forgot about the, the all the reenactment stuff or the family shit. That <laughs> sucked. Mm-hmm. sucked, dude. I, like, every second of that, I wanted to kill, like uh. rip my eyes out. Yeah, so f- that made every. So, quote unquote point he was trying to say just make me not care really about what he was trying to say but like I said I, lo- I like the interview talking head por- portions that I guess you didn't like Austin to me that was the interesting part of this thing but fuck all that <laughs> the family <laughs> what
1: about what about the who was it from Mad Men that was doing like his inside out impression where
0: he's wearing his three different colors and they're yeah, like I inside. think Vincent Carthizer is his real name but to me he's always going to be Pete Campbell he was really going for it
1: and the, the older sister she's the uh the teen girl from Moonrise Kingdom, uh, Wes Anderson's yes. Moonrise Kingdom. I know. So uh, it, it
0: only hit me when I cool. looked it up the second time around. But that was a fun movie. Uh, <laughs> noted Wes Anderson head Ryan movie, over
1: but... here. Yeah. yeah, good movie.
0: But, but I guess the point is, is that they
1: tried their best to hire like legit talent, right? And usually when you get these kinds of narrative cutaways, it's kind of chintzy and cheesy actors. But I think they they definitely had a budget. They had obvious like a proper yeah, script but...
0: and. Well, but, so how, what do we think this was for? Like, at our most charitable, what was? What do we think the point of this was, and who is this for? Th- th- that's
2: exactly what I was going to get to. Is yeah. that? Is that? Yeah, it was a big budget, and they could hire all these people. Who gives a shit? It's like, like the whole point was was they're trying to persuade us that you know we need to stop now. We need to te- all have a big aha moment that that you know technology is 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 changing our behavior even when we don't think it is because that kind of what I was my main critique the whole time is going yeah, but I. Kind of like the whole thing with advertising, uh, uh, debate with advertising in the last hundred years. It's like, is that unethical to to try and subtly, subconsciously change your opinion by having Coca-Cola ads, you know, and everything you see? It, or are they help funding all this other, you know, stuff that is that you're participating in as a willing participant, uh, as a willing participant? So I, the, the whole time I was watching this movie, I'm kind of going, yeah, I'm self-aware about how many about uh uh, what i'm consuming but at the same time if they're telling me oh you might be self-aware but guess what actually the the robot is controlling you it's like okay give me proof they didn't really prove it to me they're just like at the end of the day you have free will god damn it you know (laughs) like i can choose which brand of soda to drink i still drink fanta sometimes and i never see their ads you know i think you've
1: you've drunk the uh the machinic Kool-Aid, they would say. Per- that,
2: yeah, that's that's the that thing. You don't realize. Like- yeah, that's
1: <laughs> the thing is you don't realize that the subtle control mechanisms. I think that that this is really a, a kind of modern-day Frankenstein story is what this documentary is, is that um, human beings have created things, but sometimes the, the products of our own hands take on wildly different ends, right? And I think the difference here is they're saying that that we've always been afraid of what humans create like you know there's the obviously the Frankenstein myth there's the Terminator myth they talk about terminator the difference is is that all of those other myths are like uh dramatic and traumatic in the sense that we like are aware of the machines coming to kill us but this machine isn't trying to kill us even though they do talk about that at one point i think tristan even talks about that where he says like we're like zombies basically on the other side of the screen right so there's a sense in which it's trying to quote kill us but it does it in a way by like giving us joy where we actually invest in our own death so to speak but no but rather but rather than this being like Uh, something that controls us from without, that we participate in our own kind of decline. But then my question is, is what does that mean? Like, then what is humanity and what is this society that they bemoan has been lost?
2: That's where I thought the decline is relative in that situation. You know, it's like, like at the end of the day, Uh, everyone is using these things and you can say that that's a bad thing but they're using them because they like it and you know they're they're not doing it because it's like oh this is painful every second why 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 it's like they're like they like that dopamine rush that they're talking about and they're like fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna go on instagram for two hours and i think people know that are more well aware than this documentary leads you to think that they're doing that i think that throughout people are lazy dude well you <laughs> you, know? you might but uh, you're you're but you're a grown man what do you think
0: about an impressionable mind that is formed well, there you go. in this cocoon yeah the, like the, a plastic a plastic brain can be pretty affected by this stuff absolutely
2: yeah. and and that whole segment and, and 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 there they have an absolute point they don't have to persuade me at all about that i believe that like like kids and uh, the 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 Whatever you call it, the reaction to the the human developing mind with uh, through social media is not good. You shouldn't, you know, you should try to wait as long as humanly possible for these kids (laughs) to get addicted to this shit, which they're going to no matter what. So I agree with you there. And if that whole documentary had been, you know, how do kids deal with Facebook or whatever Instagram? Okay, there we go. But they're trying, you know, they're trying to tell me, an adult, a 34 year old man,
0: (laughs) you know, that you feel attacked. <laughs>
2: I don't feel attacked. I just I felt that there was a sense I kept waiting for the real proof and and yeah. and that they it felt like a bunch of jaded uh Silicon Valley people being like I've seen some shit, dude, and uh wow, this th- things are fucked. And yeah, if if you're if your hypothesis is things are fucked, okay, I agree with you there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like in terms of whether or not we you know, uh, is social media more of a detriment than it, than is it killing us? Actually, I don't know. Yeah. Is it well, see, I mean this brainwash. more of a
0: this is more of a dig at myself than a disagreement with you, Ryan. Um, but you know, when I was watching that, it really hit me because I was reflecting on how much I do use like social media apps at times where I don't want to. And you know, I think that I do like get a dopamine hit when I like see a, a mention come up on Twitter or something like that that mm-hmm. I don't if I'm sitting and reading a book. Or if I'm taking a walk, or even if I'm like listening to a, an informative podcast, isn't that a good so, thing? Dopamine isn't good. No, I don't want that dopamine. I want different dopamine. Why I don't, not? I'm, why
2: not though? Answer that. Well, know, I guess so I, with that dopamine. Sure.
0: So let's say this. Like, I think in terms of the life I want for myself, the activities that I think are virtuous and that will be more culturally enriching. Like, I would obviously rather watch a really great film than get caught up in watching another like reality show meant to suck me in. I'd rather read a book than stare at a Twitter timeline because I know after I read the book or watch the great film, I feel good. I feel good in in a different way where I'm like, huh, I'm going to think about this. I feel like I'm using my brain. I feel like I'm participating in culture. If I get done with like an hour Twitter or Instagram binge, it just feels like shit. It's like empty. It's sort of like that feeling right after you. I I was going to say something gross, um, but I'm not going to. That's not my lane. There's one person on this who has a lane that can involve talking about sexuality in a fun way. I can't do it. Um, It's like mini orgasms? Is that what you were going to I don't know. Yeah, you finish and you're just like, this was great and now nothing. And now I need Um, to eat
1: and now I need to smoke and now i need to have some food or now we need to go again it's not so going to. So much better it's not going to satisfy the desire this is lacanian psychoanalysis bro it's the return of the object yes. cause of desire the more you get the more you need and that's why the language of addiction has been so kind of part and parcel with understanding the kind of pathology of social media right it's it's we get addicted to these things, but the addiction doesn't actually satisfy. It just requires further and maybe even greater intensities of the um, compulsive behavior. And so that's what it is. It's not that you're addicted to the thing, but you're addicted to the addiction. It's almost like you're addicted to the process. And so it's the issue of com- the, the compulsive behavior that I think is what they're trying to um the, the research that they're piggybacking off of and that I do I see in myself as well man like I'm with you Michael like you get that notification you know like I got it uh I got it this morning I I, I, I wrote a, a blog post and all I want are people to be like that's a brilliant insight bro and how many likes am I gonna <laughs> yeah. get you know and when I don't get enough likes I, did I somehow man maybe I didn't write this thing clearly enough maybe I didn't articulate it Um, with enough rhetoric you know do people not like me or whatever and it's that pattern that I'm chasing that I think is the the behavior that they're kind of lamenting in this documentary
0: well and that's one of the big points of the film right I think the idea is just that that, what you're feeling isn't an accident or an after effect it's what they are aiming to do and I do think that's one of the things in the film that's probably affected the most people the idea that like oh shit they didn't accidentally create the Frankenstein in some ways they know what they're doing and they're trying to get my brain hooked in this way to produce as much data as possible. Another way but of that, saying this is they want you to be dissatisfied. It's a machine
1: to produce dissatisfaction so Yeah, that you like need when they that. show the kid that
0: his ex-girlfriend is with his friend now and he breaks his phone fast. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, the young boy in the fictional part, his mom and sister bet he can't go a week without his phone. And in this universe, there's nothing else to do because they show a montage of him just sitting in bed. Like he doesn't read or take a fucking walk or anything else. But eventually, Pete Campbell's, they make him get back on his phone cuz they give him an alert about how like his ex-girlfriend's dating his friend now, and it's the misery that sucks him into it.
2: Yeah, I, uh, uh... I would push back on the whole they want you to be dissatisfied thing. I mean, I think that they're just constantly satisfying you. And like you're saying, it's like it's addiction. It's being addicted to being satisfied all the time. I don't think that they're actively being like, let's kind of piss Ryan off a little bit more. So he just wants to uh, rage tweet longer. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that they're they're trying to figure out exactly what I want all the time, really just maximizing happiness. And then so that I that's all I want to do is do. Be on that thing. Yeah. yeah, let me go. Well, so I'm going to go full, Different uh, than saying that.
1: Uh, I'm going to. Oh no, I'm going to go full Don Draper uh, on our asses at this moment. There's this great scene where Draper. I can't remember the, the 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 episode and who he's with, but he's in this room with these people that he's trying to get their business, and they currently have like I don't know, seventy or eighty percent of the market or something like that. And they're like, we're happy, and he basically says, bullshit. He says, you're not happy. He's like what is happiness? He's like happiness is the moment that you uh, you find satisfaction before you need more happiness. He's like you want all of it. You don't just want 80% of it or whatever it is. And so that's the idea is you think you're satisfied, but what they are talking about in this in this documentary is that we know that we're not actually satisfied with satisfaction, but actually we're dissatisfied with satisfaction. And the more well, satisfaction we get, uh, the more fucking satisfaction we need.
2: But isn't that a human nature a problem? But, like But that's what they're, they're saying. Yeah. That they're saying they're exploiting that tendency, and, and that's kind of like I said at the beginning of this. That is just like advertisers have always done. You know, like anybody who's ever tried to sell a product, you're trying to talk people into getting you to 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 use it and buy and give you money. And you and then the 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 end user it knows that, but it's like there's a mutual exchange there. You know, and and so I don't know. I just kind of don't feel like everyone's just such a brainwashed zombie that that them. P- pressing the check-in mark on the terms and conditions of their Facebook app makes it to where that the, they never use their brain again and then they're just a slave to whatever they show them I, I don't really believe that I mean that's to some fair. personality yeah. types yes you know well, and- I couldn't
0: stop thinking about an anecdote while watching this film um, I used to work for this company that was kind of a tech company but kind of a creative thing so the employees were like half like nerdy writer, designer people and half full on tech people. One of the tech employees who used to be an analyst at like Facebook or something was telling us one day, she was like, she or he, I'm not going to say who they were like, "Um, you know, they can now use algorithms and data and patterns online to decide or figure out if like young people are suicidal or at risk of like killing themselves. And me and another like writer dude at the company were like, Oh my God. Well, like that's great. Right. Cause then they can like, help them or send someone. And she started laughing at us. And she was like, no, it means they can target them with more stuff. Cause people about to kill, kill themselves are more likely to make big purchases because they Jesus don't think about their future.
2: Christ.
0: Yeah. So that's, so I guess that is one thing. Like I, I definitely, uh, you know, get what you're saying, Ryan, that we're not, you know, that brain dead as I, you know, I'm making this out to be, but there is this like dark side of that, like manipulation of data and our emotions, it freaks me out. And of course, that's one example that could have happened at one company, but the power to do stuff like that is it really fucking scares me.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, that's a different argument to me. I mean, when I walk down the kid aisle at Target or something, I get grossed out sometimes. I'm just like, they're like putting this on kids now. Like, like, This is weird, you know, but like, like, and so yeah, that's a whole other thing. The ethics of this is, is one thing uh, uh, other than, I'm more just. It seemed like they were doing a call to action to get offline. Do not, you know, you, things are about to get real, and I didn't know if we're at that Armageddon stage yet. But well,
0: let me ask both of you a question on this, then. Yeah, well, just to set you back, you guys up. Um, so I, I think this gets at what you're saying, Ryan. So the movie in the movie, the bad guy, full stop. Social media, right? They show us the rise of suicide in young people. Well, social and depression. media
2: companies, especially the yeah. people at the very top that control these things.
0: So what I wonder, I mean, is that completely missing out on everything else that happens in our society that's not offline, whether that be like school shootings that's or true. the climate or political stuff that might also be making people miserable? Because I just wonder, like, do did they miss out? Did they basically lump in everything bad in society and just correlate it with the rise of social media? Or the two greatest oh.
1: economic fucking crises that uh, we've experienced in like 100 years that have converged on this one generation who – is looking at the world like, fuck, what is going on? Like, yeah, exactly. Those are other things that are uh, correlation does not equal causation, is kind of the sure. issue here, right?
2: Yeah. And I think probably it maybe just sounds like I don't think social media is that bad. And I do think it is. I mean, it is. Our society has rapidly changed in the last 15 years, you know, because of this shit and for good and bad ways. But uh, I I guess I'm just looking at almost just in the economics ways of it, just in the just why people are using it, why people use it so much. And then uh, the behavior of these companies to get people to use it more. And yeah, I know there's lots of there are the mindless zombies, brainwashed people that I'm talking about. They're, they are out there. They don't not exist. But should we all is it is is the is the whole all of social media a, still a net benefit or a net loss to humanity? I would say it's for me it's clear that it's a net positive. I mean, it's done lots of good things, and that we, we just kind of take the the bad stuff and weed it out as as we go, and you know through psychological, through just I don't know you know normal means i know i think i'd want to ask like positive towards
1: what ends or detrimental uh, according to what criteria or what standard. yeah right so yeah. so we might say and, and they even they try to touch on this right where uh i think it's again the tristan gentleman who's like you know like i can call a car and it'll be here in 30 seconds and it'll take me to where i need to get to go and that's
2: fucking awesome and that's awesome <laughs> objectively but right? at the
1: same time <laughs> Uh, your only option for even thinking about how to get somewhere is rooted in a system where you're probably going to get somewhere to just consume something to, again, feed into a system that is part of this dissatisfaction-satisfaction spiral, right? Or you're using a platform that is dictating how you can get there and that platform is being uh, a part of this system of manipulating, again, like feeling or emotion. So there's there's this both-and that I think is very difficult to think through and the question is is i know ryan you're saying that you felt like the documentary was only saying like it's making us into slaves and then at the same time you're kind of like saying but we're missing out on this element of human agency my question is is how do we understand this thing that we see as human agency as being complicit with these demands that are being structured by this other system but that there's also a feedback so there's like a Uh, And I don't mean this to get like too wanky and philosophical, but there's like a libidinal investment. There's this work by a philosopher named Jean-Francois Lyotard, who wrote a book called Libidinal Economy. And he says, you know, like the working class aren't exploited like the Marxist thing. He's like, they fucking enjoyed going to work. They enjoyed uh, being uh, strapped to their machine. And a lot of like... Lefties don't like this, but what Leotard was saying is kind of what Ryan is saying, that we can't just get rid of this notion of agency but at a more like unconscious level. that There's like this emotional enjoyment that we have by calling an Uber to come get us, to take us so that we can go buy a new machine so that we can consume and spend our hard-earned money even though that might be the product of exploitation, right? So there's a sense in which we're like invested in the situation and in the system, so to speak.
0: So this is making me think, I read, uh, there's a Guardian piece, and I I don't have the name of the writer in down here. It's called The Social Dilemma, A Wake-Up Call for a World Drunk on Dopamine. I'll read this quote. It makes me think of what both of y'all are thinking. The author says, um you know the 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 business model of social media is not really a mutant version of capitalism it's just capitalism doing its thing finding and exploiting resources from which profit can be extracted having looted plundered and uh, denuded the natural world that has now turned to extracting and exploiting what's inside our heads and the great mystery is why we continue to allow it to do so and this one review of the movie the guy's basically just like sure but this isn't special it's what like the market economy is done for a hundred or ever years. It's just using this new, new tool that allows it to work so much more efficiently.
1: Yeah. So Ellen Mikson's wood is a really kind of important Marxist political economist. And she famously makes a distinction between feudal society and capitalist society by making a very simple delineation. Feudal society was defined by what she calls extra economic coercion. The state was basically like forcing you at the end of a, The barrel of a gun, so to speak. Whereas the market, or what the capitalist system, uh, how it operates, is by just a a sort of like purely economic uh, uh, s- um, set of coercions where it's something that you become invested in. It's not extra economic. It's not like political. It's not military. It's something that you invest in yourself because you buy into the market system. And that's what she's she's writing about that before the rise of, quote, surveillance capitalism and platform capitalism and the attention economy. She's writing that in like the freaking 70s and 80s, right? So this is something that, that theorists have long said about how the market logic operates per se, so the question is, is, what is new about this? Because they, they make a big fuss about that in this documentary, right? That there is something like qualitatively distinct about this epic in which we currently live. And I'm kind of, in one sense, I'm, I'm exactly with what the author just said that, uh, that, that Michael just quoted. But I'm also kind of with Ryan who kind of made a similar point where he's like, yeah, but advertising has always been like this. And I think that's precisely the point. Right? is that there have always been ways of manipulating people so that the people in power can continue to use their leverage to get what they want.
2: But yeah, uh, now there's just the big data component to it to where they like, have such perfect and consistent information to where they are. it's pretty predictive, like, like the people in the documentary, documentary yeah. were saying. It's just more efficient and yeah. so powerful. Yeah, just, exactly. yeah, it's an efficiency, which should be a good thing. But I guess because it's For about what end, humans, yeah. because it's about human beings, it's kind of scary because you're like, well, shit, like I get being, you know, predicting uh, the weather and, and cows and all these things, you know, but like human beings are like, fuck, I don't want you knowing what I want to do before I do it, you know, or in- incepting me. I mean, I get not wanting that to happen.
0: But yeah. And Ryan, like you made the point earlier that was like, there is a lot of great stuff with technology and these type of algorithms and platforms and it's a net positive. And yeah, I think you like leave this film being like, okay, there's a lot of power to do a lot of amazing shit. How do we get it to do that? You know, how, how do we have this algorithmic and data oriented powder power not focused on like how to make me buy dumb shit? but instead how to think about, like, education and climate and transportation and, like, economics and, like, just do shit for us that will help us. Well, speaking of that, I'm glad you brought that up, Michael Burns, because that's hey, one of the no things problem. I
2: thought about during this thing. Because because at the end of the day, we, we've talked about this before on the pod, I love capitalism because it's taking it, like, the guys in Wall Street say Oliver Stone's, you know, it's using the greed, <laughs> using it uh, for good in a yeah. way, you know, but... Why can't it uh, pick healthcare? Why can't my health care be paid for by Facebook? Okay. <laughs> why can't I, the same way that I, you know, that, that all these other free services are, are paid for. Why can't my fucking, you know, uh, someone's dia- diabetes medicine, they just have to go th- scroll through a bunch of ads for, you know, a week on Facebook or something, whatever it takes. Okay. And then all of a sudden we have, we have, uh, uh why can't that happen?
0: So it's you're saying you're people. like you would you would want a model where our data is is we're being compensated for our data with like social services.
2: Well, I'm saying you were just you were just saying that the documentary yeah. was saying that that ba- how can we not make yeah. it to where we're uh, always going to be bought and sold to these media yeah. companies. In my mind, it seems like that's the status of the world. We're always going to be bought and sold by these companies. So how can we use the bought and sold model for good? How I want to be bought and yeah. sold by okay. Instagram so that I can get
0: a free heart operation when yeah. I'm
2: sixty fucking five. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I, will I watch really whatever to, yeah. ads they want me to do.
0: So I want to hear the answers to this, but first, this is really setting me up because now I'm thinking about some some messed up stuff. Oh, we I got it now, go don't we? All right, I, let's I watch it. the ad to make the podcast happen. Listen, <laughs> listen. I want to give a shout out uh, to Shutter. Um now Shudder oh, is the world. Yeah, Shudder, <laughs> they're great. Um, because I'm thinking about like horror movies and like this weird thing where I like give up part of my life and body to capitalism for my stuff. There's there's a there's a script there somewhere. Um but Shudder is the world's premier streaming service for horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Um it's scary all year round, but they like to be extra scary for this time of year. It's Halloween. You're not going to be going outside as much, so why as well stay inside and scare the hell out of yourself. Um, They're going all out by turning 31 days of Halloween into, wait for it, 61 days, a two-month celebration of their favorite season featuring weekly original exclusive movie premieres. Um, They got a bunch of spine-tingling new thrillers. We get shocking horrors. They're going to keep you on the edge of your seat. You can stream this on Apple devices, Xbox, Amazon Fire, Chromecast, Roku, Android. Now, they have awesome classics, and I'm kind of a classics guy when it comes to horror myself. Um, but they have things like Halloween, Hellraiser, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as well as some exclusives. Now, if you have ever watched or listened to Show Me the Meaning, which I assume all of you have, you know that Jared is on a massive Nick Cage kick, and he might always be on a massive Nick Cage kick. Um, So if you're interested in more Nick Cage, you could watch Mandy um, in the new sci-fi thriller, A Color Out of Space, where Nick Cage gets to battle aliens. Now, you can get started. I know. You can get started with all of this right now, by trying Shudder, free for 30 days. All you got to do is go to Shudder.com and use the promo code SHOWME. Not show me the meaning even, just show me. Um, That's A-S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and promo code SHOWME. So get started streaming all the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content today on Shudder. Check it out, it's Halloween season, boys. But now that we're getting into scary stuff... Ryan posed a question that I think Austin needs to answer. He needs to solve it. Why, if, if, if we're going to presuppose all these networks and corporations are already there, can we use it for good? Have you ever seen the movie Elysium?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So here's the thing. Yeah, it's not a great movie. But the idea that there is like... A good idea ter- at the core of it. ...terrestrial world that is this post-apocalyptic barren, kind of Hobbesian, fucking everyone's fighting over limited resources world, but then there's this planet, uh, well it's a space station kind of thing, that is like floating above uh, the terrestrial world and that's where the super rich live. My concern is, is that if we continue to just datify our attention, if we just continue to assetize our emotional labor um, our immaterial labor, which is really what we are—we're free laborers, just giving our information, working um, by giving our attention, our thoughts, our knowledge. We're just sharing it on Twitter. I mean, the amount of free shit that's just being given away. I mean, Ryan, you're a capitalist. You would be like, "Fuck! I should be able to profit over the product that I'm producing." Are but you it's kidding? Not. I am.
2: Pro- I am profiting. I'm. I'm. I'm getting in return this amazing platform to share my content that I make on it with my friends, and we can yeah. hang out. Yeah. And then, they're, and they're then we giving me a playground. Yeah, and we can't
1: and we can't even afford to buy homes because property values are then uh, what does exponentially. does that have to do increased? with no, my, no, my, point my, is, my contract with Facebook? My point is that is that there's an unequal um allocation of these resources. We will be the people living on the terrestrial earth fighting over the scraps. Yay, we get the free platform.
0: Like Matt Damon. While though.
1: the while the multi-trillionaires are the ones that are going to be living in luxury on their private islands like Elon oh, Musk's okay. floating above the surface of the earth and the the problem is, is they're going to be doing so based on the value that we are producing as data that is free data. There's a, there's a, a theorist out there named uh, Yevgeny Maratsov who has ri- uh, written about what he calls neo-feudalism. And he thinks that this is the future of the kind of uh, global order. And this isn't just a conspiracy theory. He's like a hardcore scholar who's looking at the information and the kind of like uh, the, the allocation of resources as being like asymmetrical, like exponentially accumulating to the wealthy and to the rich, whereas the rest of us are just fighting over the scraps of, yay, we get access to the free platforms. But this is also backed up by the research of the economist Thomas Piketty, who writes about the exponential uh, rates of inequality. And then even- Is that
0: how you say that name, by the way? He's French. Thomas No, that's Piketty great. In. I've been saying it the wrong way for so long. And I. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I thank you for that teaching moment for me. Thomas, Sorry, go Pick, ahead. Thomas
1: Piketty, Tama Piketty. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, but so it's this idea of this this tendency towards neo feudalism. But even someone like Peter Thiel, who is like a supposed like you know guru that is out there right now, billionaire dude, right? Uh, uh, investor. He even says that he's not a capitalist. He wants like corporate um corporate feudalism. He wants this. He's like literally said this. He wants corporate domination over the world. So this isn't capitalism that we're experiencing in the sense that that Ryan is, is – advocating for this idea where we get to share ideas and there's this uh, reciprocal exchange. Rather, what you get is this radical expansion of inequality and it's an exponential increase and that's really uh, where where the society is moving. It's the world of Elysium and we're fighting well, for scraps.
2: Well, no, but the world of Elysium presupposes that there's a finite set of wealth and resources that the pie is set and rigid. And that basically it's who can exploit the rest to get the biggest share of the pie, which is basically, which is pretty anti-capitalistic when you can have a bigger pie that expands and gets huge. Yeah. You you can't make more water. Okay. Yeah, sure. But so, 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 but the Peter Thiel thing you're, you're is basically about power, right? It's, it's about these, companies taking over the institutions that run our lives basically is that what you're kind of referring to with the peter Thiel thing i mean but i just the want point, to make sure i'm talking about the right kind, thing.
1: kind of but the point is is that money is power and i don't mean that in a cheesy sense i mean literally what is money money is just a debt obligation uh, it's sometimes referred to as liquidity which basically just means that you can meet your obligations that's all money is it's so just they're, a they're making
2: too much money
1: no they're 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 uh, monopolizing the levers by which societal structures are created. So, like, they're the ones who have... The power, in the sense, to make society and therefore create how the even the future operates, right? And that's but, but, because they what have does that money. I mean,
2: how the power to make society? I mean, people, human beings that live out aren't are, aren't they making society? Like, what do you mean when you say the well, power well, to make society? What does that mean exactly?
0: Let, let me see if I get this because I want to. I just love mediation. Um, is are we saying here? Is your point, Austin, that the to answer Ryan's question or try to understand this that these platforms? end up being where society happens. So rather than like going to a park that's like public, if I have to use their platforms to exist, then they're necessarily like owning the means of society's, like the reproduction of society. Yes. Yeah. And let me add another,
1: let's add another layer to that. Parks aren't going to necessarily disappear, but the park. They're too awesome. But the, yeah, that's it's right. It's going to be like Amazon awesome. Park. Well, that's that's it. It's going to be like uh, the parks are already mapped by algorithms and by Google mapping and other oh, mapping no. devices. So the world in which we live is already quote datafied, and that data is financialized, which means that those data assets that map the park that is supposedly the quote real is actually already m- mired in layers and layers of abstraction that are profit-producing layers of abstraction, and who benefits from that? Sure, I can still go to the fucking park, yay, but the only way that I can access the park is by submitting myself to those control mechanisms that tell me how I can get to the park and what the park means, and that's just one simple example. In uh, Expand that to the infinite level, and that means that every element of society how we can love our partner means that I have to be able to buy a rose and I can only buy a rose from a florist that is paying rent to a bank and a bank is then using exploitative methods to get return on their interest rates, which means that my ability to even love my partner is mediated by these layers of financialization and then in the language of this documentary, datification, and that's well, the issue.
2: W- w- well, is that, but, but what would be a scenario or a environment where you're not – where all of that's not happening, <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, that's like, the question. Where is there a flower being made where you buy it and yeah, all those steps didn't happen? I mean, I, I guess, has that happened? I'm a
1: critic, god damn it, I'm not a world constructor. No, okay. um, no, 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 okay. So, this is where the documentary does have a solution, right? And the question is, is do we think their solution is adequate? They talk about regulation. That's what they think is the answer, that we can regulate the uh, flow of data production and then, of course, the way that it's extracted and then disseminated so that our data assets don't just simply freely go to these processes that make these trillionaires and then uh, that make these power systems kind of reproduce. So my question is, is do we think that regulation is a good way of mitigating that tendency towards like inequality, both in power and in terms of money?
2: I, uh, no, (laughs) Um, you don't, you don't think so. No, only if it actually, you can actually prove to me the monopoly, you know, like, like to me, basically what you've just said is that all these places have figured out how to trick half the, uh, you know, a quarter of the world into coming and using their thing. So it must be really you know, efficient and awesome, (laughs) you know, so, uh, and what, and they're doing it willingly and freely and it's not because they they have to, it's because everyone else is doing it, you know, because humans are imitative creatures, whatever. So, uh, but it seems like they're doing something right. And that's basically, then I understand the, the, the tendency to go, okay, well, if everyone, you know, they get too powerful, it becomes a monopoly, a real monopoly. I mean, you, I I guess the, probably the best example is Jeff Bezos, you know, like like literally taking over tons of industries, uh, which you could argue he's a, a mono- monopolizing. And I'm, I don't want monopolies. I'm prepared to listen to all of those. You know, I, I think regulating a true monopoly is important to everybody, um, and in everyone's interest, except the people who are doing the monopolizing. But uh, uh, but it's hard to prove. And I and I, I would be curious to hear what you, who you think is being a monopoly right now. Yeah, I mean, I
1: think the problem is, is that we need to think that there's already regulation in place. We think of regulation as somehow like this thing that intervenes that stops the flow of capital, but actually, regulation supports capital through the protection of uh, private property. So, uh, IP protection laws and um, the the allowance of mergers and acquisitions, and um, by uh, by using law enforcement to to kind of like buttress and protect those who already have a stranglehold over the level of the means of production. That is regulation, which means then that these platforms that are so ascendant, they're already benefiting from regulation, but it's a type of positive regulation. A regulation that props them up and allows someone like a Jeff Bezos to not, or, and, and Amazon to not have to pay taxes. And then they're actually using them, we would say, taxpayer money to build their monopoly and this is something that takes place all over the world we can look at a huge what's called meta-platform called SoftBank which is I believe it's a Japanese company but SoftBank is uh, invested in by sovereign wealth funds from all over the world and those sovereign wealth funds are directly um, benefiting from the domestic economies that are that are that are uh, that are funding them that are that are that are producing the value of their asset portfolios which means then that we are actually funding these platforms for their expansion and for their development and for their growth. So my so my my solution, if I could say this, and this is purely hypothetical, and I don't think it's the answer, but I think it would help. I'm really interested in this idea of like uh, social wealth funds and the idea of like um, how it is that we can have common ownership over the data that we produce. And I think one way that we could do that, and people are gonna fucking hate me for saying this, but I think that if we nationalized platforms like Um, like Facebook, like Google, um, if we nationalize them to uh, allow them to operate in a way that we have a stake, an equity stake in the value that we're producing in the form of our data, as our labor, and then we somehow put those into portfolios like investment portfolios that we all as, let's say, citizens of the United States or citizens of Cambodia or citizens of Myanmar, wherever you are, that you have an investment in your domestic or national portfolio that then could generate income, which would then pay for... Healthcare that would pay for a universal basic income that would pay for funding the arts that would pay for education and that that would be a way that we're actually producing data and they're making money in data but that that money can be can be assetized for the benefit of
2: us who are actually producing the work i am so for that except i my only condition is that is that I, i I get to regulate your regulators, your team of whoever's deciding to invest in what our money's going to. I get to oversee that, you know, and one, no, you know. Wait, wait you personally? Someone, obviously, who, guys, who's no. going to oversee those? This is good. This is at good. the end of the day, someone's making decisions for for everybody's yeah. money. And then I'm going to step gonna in. And
0: I'll occasionally regulate Ryan when he regulates the regulators, but only occasionally. No, no, I'm the <laughs> final regulator. Okay. okay, listen, guys, we were we were talking about what's good for people. You two just solved everything. So this is great. I want to. We got Instagram s-
2: healthcare idea is a great one, and I want to talk to Jack or whoever the fuck <laughs> i Society is
0: changing. Come on, Jack. Um, so I want to wind down a little bit by getting back to a question about the the people in the movie now. Um, uh, there's this article that isn't really about the movie, but about some of the people in the movie, including Tristan by this Irish writer, Maria Farrell. And she had this 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 term I liked a lot. And she refers to a lot of the, the type of people we saw in the movie as prodigal tech bros. And she says, these are people who experience a religious awakening. suddenly see Then they suddenly see their former employers as toxic and reinvent themselves as experts on taming the tech giants. They were lost and now they are found. Um, But she says they miss most of the journey yet claim the moral authority of one who's been there but came back. It's a teleportation machine but for ethics. And I found this interesting because like everyone in the movie who's telling us what to make – how to make it better, they did it. They like (laughs) – they're not like – activists who have been fighting it all along and there's even the guy who's like when we invented the like button on facebook it was about spreading happiness and collective joy it's like dog no you weren't but so what do we think about that this, this notion of the prodigal tech bro who was blind but now now he sees his wrongs like americans, is, are these the people americans love it? a good
1: americans love a good conversion story man we love we love a, we love a good mea culpa and give people a second chance oh it's okay you fucked over the world economy but you're right You're, you're, you're the good moral ones now. I know. I know. I don't know, man. I, I also did think that there was a real problem too of, uh, that it was mostly, um, a bunch of white people. That were kind of like talking about things and they did make one of the people I can't remember who it was did make the point that like the puppets that were pulling the strings were like 35 white dudes or whatever it was that he said and I thought that yeah, his was,
0: exact quote was 50 25 to 35 year old white guys in one city in California. And I think that
1: was <laughs> I think that was really insightful because have you guys seen the fucking Twitter algorithm that is like not recognizing black faces. Have you seen this? No so it's an example like if you take two photos and you put it on like one uh like one long strip right and it's like a face of barack obama and then on the bottom it's face of like hulk hogan or something like that and you know like oh my god
0: i was thinking hulk hogan i just have to say it before you said it i swear to god i was thinking hulk hogan this is the best moment of my life keep going
1: (laughs) i don't know what that says about how we think about obama or what we think about hulk hogan that one is presidential and that the other is a wrestler hogan of presidents yeah i don't know um but but like if you put them you know the 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 picture has to be condensed to the preview, right? Like the whole the whole big photo can't be shown. What the algorithm on Twitter has trained itself to do is recognize white faces. So there's all these examples that the preview that is shown um, on Twitter is always the white face and it doesn't show the, the darker skinned face. And it's been done dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times, all these people showing it, and it's because they have found that the algorithm has trained itself to recognize the white face as being more a true face. So there's a fucking problem here, right? Like, this isn't just some, like, innocent, ah, we just put in some information
0: and the damn machines. Just No, no, there's there's some bias here that really
1: needs to be explored.
0: Well, there's a woman in the film, and I forget her name, but she has blue hair, and she says that algorithms aren't objective. And that every algorithm has like a purpose given to it by a person or a programmer, which makes me think of that because it's something I, I often fall into the trap of thinking of algorithms as these like things that have no values. But she made that point that there's no such thing as an objective algorithm. They all have something they're programmed to do and some way of seeing some activities or things as more valuable than others, which spooked me a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's, it's creepy, especially when you think about algorithms as having more, more autonomy, right? Over determining what information is disseminated. And I think that because then, cause then we start to realize the bias in these mathematical machines that we think are supposed to be unbiased and we start to worry then like wh- who controls the levers of creating the criteria for that bias. And I think that that is something we should be aware of, you know? The question is, is do we do we fucking panic or are we going to be more like Ryan and be like, no guys, it's a, it's, it is a net benefit.
0: And Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know? Wow. Sound off in the comments. Are you an Austin or a Ryan? Um, well, I'm gonna guess most <laughs> people are Austins. <laughs> Do you I think? Don't, I don't, I don't
1: know. know. I don't know. I think. I don't think that's true. I think people. I think we'll people see. like the internet. I, I enjoy the. I think enjoy they the love internet. and they
2: hate the internet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then here's the question: Do you think that this documentary then just allows us to like be too hard on ourselves? Like, are we just, like, all self-obsessed in,
0: in our self Yeah, does it get us off on the self-flagellation? Yeah. Wow, yeah. Because, I mean, literally, I, I think so many people watching this movie were, like, as they were watching it, like, you know what? I'm going to go put my phone in that cabinet, <laughs> or I'm going to, you know right. what? honey honey let's turn these off and i and you know there's a thing in the film where the mom buys a cookie jar safe off off shark tank um, and puts the phones in this like lockbox and then the the young daughter gets a fucking wrench during dinner and smashes it up like that's just a normal thing and they react as if this is a thing she does um but i like i saw friends online being like i actually ordered a lockbox this week after seeing it so i can lock my phone up so i can do my writing or i can do whatever so I think you're right that this watching this does make a lot of people be like, I'm just shit. How can I make myself better? Yeah, exactly. Whoever invented and then, those boxes is making so much money from this.
2: Yeah,
1: that's a good idea. Ryan, hit me up. We'll, we'll start manufacturing our own. And that can be our business to start uh, our ability of being the regulators of the regulators of the regulators.
2: I'm Dude, I'm ready
0: to start, start Skynet yesterday, man. <laughs> all right. Well, how about this then? So we know that Ryan has said that the internet, all, all its flaws, all, all the, the bumps we might have in social media, net positive. Is this documentary a net positive? Do we think after watching the social dilemma and talking about yeah, do we think this is a movie that if people obviously we're not telling anyone to like change their life for this, but if you have a Netflix account and a free evening, do we think it's it's worth a watch?
2: To be honest, yes, uh, I would I would say it's worth a watch. Um, You know, it's a little depressing, so it's not the lightest fare. But but when when I read that it was about artificial intelligence, like that is something I am legitimately freaked out about, you know. But I'm a, I'm freaked out about all the the actual singularity kinds, the kinds, mm-hmm. you know, it getting uh, new transcendenting consciousness kind of robots, and we can't, we have no time to figure it out. And then them getting into the nuclear codes and all this stuff, drones, those things are like AI. Where I'm like, all right, like I I'm prepared to be scared. It already seems weird, but if you're telling me, hey, they're going to teach – they're going to tell you what shoes to buy before you buy them and that should freak you out, I'm not that scared about that. Who cares? Yeah. I, a, a, end of point.
1: I, I would say that the documentary is okay. It's fine. But what's good about mm-hmm. it is you can have a discussion like this with your friends, yeah. right? Or Yeah, your this family. is really fun. Two sides
2: coming at at each other. Well, I feel like... Love and peace.
1: I feel like if I I were in California and and we went out for like a beer when the lockdowns ended, that we would be able to have more conversations about this. And we'd be able to have a really like... I think an important... Set of ethical discussions. And I think that's, like Michael said at the outset, that's what the documentary is good for. So the documentary as a piece of art or a piece of entertainment, not great. But as something that's like a conduit for information to stoke
2: conversation, yeah. What you're saying is that the real apocalyptic artificial intelligence is the friends we made all along. Wow.
0: Not (laughs) much to say. Not much to say with that other than I, I agree. Holy shit. Yeah, yes. I agree with both of you. Um, the, you know, the worst sort of doc would be one that you finish it and you're just like that fucking sucked and I'm never going to have that hour and a half back. This one, like we said, a lot of problems, a lot to talk about, makes you think. And I think if you care and you're curious about this stuff, you could follow up with either like people that you see talking in the movie or it was very easy for me to find a lot of interesting takes on this. So, I say people should check it out. Um, Now, before we we wrap up today, I also wanna thank another one of the sponsors who helps us do this and that's Skillshare. Um, I I like Skillshare and here's why. Maybe you do wanna get off of staring at your app so much. Well, a great way to do that is like get a new hobby, explore a new art or a creative project. And that's what Skillshare does. It's it's a community for curious people. You can get new skills. You can deepen your existing passions and really get lost in creativity. Um, Now they offer creative classes that are designed for real-life stuff and circumstances. So you can actually use this. It's not like some master class from Steven Spielberg that tells you how to make a Hollywood picture. You're in your house. You're not going to do that. Skillshare gives you things you can actually do. Um, now, there's a lot of different classes they have. One that I think is really cool they're offering right now is filmmaking from home, turning found footage into, into a compelling video taught by Penny Lane. Um, I think this is cool because often you think if I want to make a movie, whether it be a short or a comedy or documentary, I got to get out. I got to film. I have access. I need access to all this. And this course actually walks you through how creative you can be under the limitations of only using found footage. And if you've been on the internet, there's a lot of footage on the internet. So if you've been stuck at home, you have access to the internet, and you want to make a dope film, that's a cool course. Um, but in general, if you just want to get involved in a creative project, and you're not really going out much these days, this is a good way to do it. Um, an annual subscription is less than $10 a month, and compare that to any class you would take anywhere else, and it's, it's pennies. Um, so if you're interested in this, if you want to explore your creativity, go to skillshare.com smtm show me the meaning skillshare.com slash smtm um and the first thousand people to use our link so get on it we uh, will get a free trial of skillshare premium membership so i don't know make a cool film and send it to us and then we'll do an entire episode breaking down yours well, we probably won't we can maybe talk about that if you i'll say this if you make a film after doing a skillshare class on filmmaking we'll, we'll give it five minutes and i'm saying that with no authority to say that but i'm saying it. Um, now, the other thing we would like, along with your films, we want to know what in the hell you think about this. So if you've watched it already and you have thoughts, or if you're going to watch it because of this, um, let us know. So you can give us a call at 1-213-534-8807. That is 1-213-534-8807. Let us know what you think. And even if it's not necessarily about the film, but about some of the themes we discussed, we'd love to hear that. And if you want to put it down in paper, if you want to write a big essay for us with like footnotes and stuff, Austin will go through the whole thing. Um, that's movies at Wisecrash. C-O, no M, movies at wisecrack.co so i don't know you had to listen to what we think we owe it to you to check out what you think i think that's that's fair right is that an in an, an equal relationship the way i wish the platforms would treat us um yeah so uh this is you know we're, we're basically at the end of this journey um next week jared will be back and we'll be back next week with a new episode in the meantime where can everyone find y'all not in person don't give your address don't just to be clear I mean digitally digitally
2: you can find me on the Ryan Shorts channel on YouTube Facebook Instagram Ryan's Game Show's out there too we release some new shit on there basically every week thank you very much yeah
1: yeah. Uh, yeah you can hit me up on Twitter Austin underscore Hayden Insta A-U-S underscore H-A-Y I do a philosophy podcast called Owls
0: at Dawn you can check that shit out great um if you want to stalk me or yell at me uh michael o burns on twitter michael o burns with some underscores somewhere on instagram um and then if you if you feel like listening to more philosophy stuff i run a stream on twitch uh twitch.tv slash godzian burns i do a philosophy show on fridays i'm going to try to get austin on it soon so even if you hate me and you like him you can check it out um but that's all everyone so this has been show me the meaning and if you are an artificially intelligent robot
2: <laughs> please do not come no don't visit us on any of those platforms. Just stay the fuck away from me. Yes. Okay?
0: Yes. Uh, so this has been it.
2: This is great. Thanks goodbye. Don't don't you Sydney, yell a thing now, Australia. Ryan?
0: Yes. Goodbye oh, from Hollywood, <laughs> California. <laughs> oh no! Oh god. Oh, oh god! oh god! Oh uh, god! Oh my god! Uh, he was gonna say from goodbye from Hollywood, California.
2: <laughs> what? The fuck! That was
0: awesome.